Hello, welcome to this episode of The Complete Interpreter, a podcast about interpreting skills, mindset, and marketing from The Interpreting Coach. Some of you may know my real name, Sophie Llewellyn Smith. This is a podcast in which I aim to bring you holistic CPD, continuing professional development ideas that take into account the fact that you are not just an interpreting machine or a translation machine, but that you are also the owner of an interpreting business. Today, we are talking about co-working, discipline, and procrastination. Some big words there. I don't know if you're guilty of procrastination. I sometimes am. Later on, I'll be talking about the reasons why we procrastinate certain tasks and how you can try to overcome that. But co-working, why have I chosen to speak about co-working? Well, this all goes back to the aftermath of my big online summit for interpreters in January, Terp Summit. I created a Facebook community for attendees, and after the summit, I was interested to hear where people wanted to go next, what would help them with their professional development in 2023. Were they interested in expert guidance? So for example, ask me anything sessions with experts. Or did they want more practice opportunities where they could get feedback from somebody else? And spoiler alert, that was the most popular option in the poll I ran. So about half of the respondents wanted more practice opportunities. But a quarter of the respondents came out in favor of co-working sessions, which I had put as as one of the options in the poll. I found that very interesting because co-working is a, a concept that's relatively new to me, but clearly it's quite popular, I thought to myself. So, okay, in response to that, I set up some online co-working sessions. I cleared a one-hour slot in my schedule on a Friday afternoon. I set up Zoom meetings at 5 p.m. European time, and I emailed my mailing list, and I posted on social media, and I said, hey, come along to these free online co-working sessions on a Friday afternoon, and get some of the jobs on your to-do list done. To my amazement slightly, I have to confess, a lot of people signed up in the first week, dozens of people, and even more people signed up in the second week. So there were 77 registrations, I think, in week two for this co-working session. But when people actually logged on to the Zoom meeting and turned up, it was clear that some of them had no idea what to expect. Even though I, I thought I had made it relatively clear in my email and on social media, but obviously not clear enough. And some people we're clearly expecting a kind of lecture or a class, or they thought that I would put them in breakout rooms, organized based on, I don't know, their language combination or whether they wanted to do consecutive or simultaneous interpreting practice. So they thought it was some kind of practice session or some kind of class. Or because I had phrased it as, hey, come along and get something done and um, get motivated and overcome procrastination, they thought that I was going to give a presentation about procrastination. So I found this simultaneously amusing and um, a little bit worrying that my communications had obviously not been clear enough. 
or that people were simply less familiar with the concept of online co-working than I thought they were. I had made some assumptions about what people knew and I was wrong. I suppose I also expected that if people clicked and signed up to the co-working session, that if they didn't know what online co-working was, and I hadn't explained it clearly enough, they would go and look it up. <laughs> but no, not necessarily. And that's why I'm talking about co-working today. So what is co-working? In a more conventional sense, when it's not online co-working, I'm sure you're familiar with the idea. Which is simply that, especially if you're a freelancer and you don't work in an office of your own, in an office building, for example, then clearly you can work from home, but sometimes there are disadvantages to working from home. The most obvious ones are the potential for distraction. For example, the postman rings the bell, or you find that you end up doing household chores like hanging out the washing, uh, or you have your children at home half the day and it's very difficult to get work done when they're around or you have to walk the dog or whatever those distractions may be and it can be easier to start procrastinating and check your facebook account or linkedin instead of actually getting the work done so that is one disadvantage of working from home now if you want to set clear boundaries and have a separate location where you work you can rent an office, but obviously renting office space is quite expensive. Hence the appearance of co-working spaces where you can go along and pay by the day, for example, and have access to a desk and sometimes to many other facilities like a cafe or separate conference rooms, the water cooler where you can chat to people and, and make new connections and network. And there you sit alongside other people. So basically you're working alone, but you're not lonely because you are working alongside other people who are also trying to get their work done. And therefore that atmosphere of focus and concentration can be very helpful in uh, making sure that you actually get things done. That is real life co-working in the physical space. Now, Attempts have been made to replicate that in the online space. And there are already platforms available if you're interested in online co-working. Uh, they all offer slightly different formulas and some of them are for creative types, graphic artists. Some of them are just for anybody, any freelancer. And as I said, they offer different formulas. So with some of them, you can join for an hour. You join a meeting of up to eight people. One of the people is appointed to guide the session. And let's say everybody checks in at the beginning of the session and says what it is that they're working on because the research shows that you're more likely to get things done if you've actually stated what it is that you're doing, in writing especially, stated your goal. And then at the end of the session, you check in again and, and give a sort of progress update. So that's one of the ways that you can do online co-working on one of the many platforms that exist. Some of them are free, some of them um, charge a small fee. And I think when I first heard about online co-working, I probably thought to myself, oh, I can see how that would work for translators. Because having the motivation to slog away at home and spend hours on a translation when you have a, 
I suppose the deadline <laughs> would motivate some people very much. Um, but just a convivial atmosphere, I guess, with fellow, fellow translators, I could see how that could work very well. But I did ask myself, would it work for interpreters? And also, there was a part of me thinking, but what's the point, really? What is the point? If I have something on my to-do list, can't I just sit down and get that thing done by myself at home? Instead of complicating my life by signing up to yet another Zoom meeting and spending 10 of the minutes of that hour explaining what I'm doing and, and at the end of the hour whether I've got it done. But there is a point for some people. Those people who are very self-motivated will probably be just fine getting on with their own to-do list at home with nobody else involved. But I'm sure you know someone, or maybe you are someone, who, for example, would never dream of going to the gym to work out unless they had a friend to go with. Some people like the company, they find it more motivating, more fun, and also it makes them more accountable. So that instead of going, oh, I was meant to go to the gym today, but I can't be bothered because it's raining and I'm tired, they think to themselves, ah, I told my friend Jenny that we would go to the gym together at six o'clock, and so I'll be letting her down if I don't come along. So for some people, co-working has the same effect of creating accountability. Let me turn for a moment now to procrastination. I won't go into great details about why we procrastinate or what the psychological process is or anything like that. The biggest insight I have ever been given about procrastination is this. When you are putting off a task, it's not that you're incapable of doing that task. What you're running away from is not the task in itself, which might be something as relatively simple as answering emails or um, typing up an invoice, things that you are fully capable of doing and are well within your sphere of competence. So it's not that you're running away from the task itself, it's that you're running away from the feelings that that task comes with. What might those feelings be? Sometimes it's just boredom. This task is boring and you don't want to do it. In my case, it's often that the task seems difficult. I think to myself, oh, the mental effort involved. You know, I have to analyze some information, distill it, um, put it into an order that makes sense. And so sometimes it feels like a difficult task. Sometimes I put things off because... Um, I think that they are going to shine a spotlight on some of my weaknesses and I don't want to face those weaknesses. In short, I mean, you can have a think about your reasons for procrastination and what feelings you are trying to avoid by avoiding doing the task. It follows, therefore, that if there are two there are two ways really to tackle that one of the ways is to try to make the feeling less unpleasant for example you can bundle a task that you mentally consider unpleasant with something a bit more pleasant one example would be uh, you do the ironing while you're watching television so it doesn't seem like such a chore 
To bring it back to the co-working concept, let's say you have something on your to-do list that you don't really fancy doing, but you think to yourself, oh, it'll be quite fun meeting some people, seeing some familiar faces. Uh, so it makes it more motivating and you're more likely to find it an acceptable task for you if it goes along with the co-working. Co -working. Also, the co-working session can have the same accountability effect as the gym example I gave you earlier. So that if you have actually clicked on the Zoom link, registered for the Zoom meeting, then for some people that's enough for them to think, right, I'm actually going to turn up. And especially if you've cleared a space in your diary uh, or your online calendar or whatever it is, and you, you can actually see that one hour slot in iCal or Google Calendar. Those are two of the ways in which co-working can help you overcome procrastination. The other way of looking at it is understanding the difference between motivation and discipline. Motivation is when you want to do something. You have a why. I want to get fit or I want to pass this exam. And that carrot, if you like, carries you through the bits that are uncomfortable or unpleasant that you have to do in order to achieve your goal. And motivation can take you a long way, but it doesn't always work and it doesn't work for everybody. Let's say your goal is to get super fit, but the only time you can really fit your workouts into your schedule uh, are at 5 a.m. So you set your alarm for 5 a.m., the alarm rings, and you think, do I want to get out of bed? It's really cold. I feel really tired. I don't want to. And so you don't get up and do your workout because it was more pleasant or less unpleasant to stay in bed. That is where your motivation has failed you. And when it comes to some of the tasks on our to-do list, our motivation does sometimes fail us. What's the difference between motivation and discipline? Discipline is where you organize your life in such a way that it's harder to make a choice. <laughs> so it's harder to say to yourself, I'm not going to do this unpleasant thing. For example, uh, some of the ways that you can do that are, let's say you want to eat more healthily, you prepare all your meals in advance and put them in Tupperware boxes and put them in the fridge so that when it's time to eat something, instead of opening the fridge and thinking, what shall I eat, and possibly making unhealthy choices, the box is there, you grab it. Or you think to yourself, I should walk the dog for an hour every day, but gosh, how do I fit it in? And so you look at your diary and you organize your day so that you walk the dog on the way to somewhere else, on the way to picking the children up from school. And, and you put the dog in the car when you go to pick the kids up from school. You set an alarm so that you leave the house at the right time. So the difference between discipline and motivation is, first of all, that you reorganize your life a bit so as to make the space and the time for whatever task it is you want to do. But also, once that moment comes along, in your mind, you are a person who walks the dog for an hour. You are a person who exercises at 5 a.m. 
instead of asking yourself, do I feel like doing it? You've put almost everything in place to do it. And you can also play on some of our cognitive biases, some of the ways the brain works, to make this even more effective. For example, you may have heard of a cognitive bias called the sunk cost fallacy. This is the idea that if you've invested money into a scheme, or time, or effort, you're likely to continue doing that, even if the return isn't very good, because you think to yourself, oh, I've spent all this money, or oh, I've already spent so and so much time on it, so I'm, I'm just going to continue. It would be awful to turn back now. But that can play in your favor in the case of procrastination and co-working, because by the time you've signed up for the Zoom session and you've actually turned up, then you think to yourself, oh, well, I'm here now. I've put in the effort to turn up to this co-working session, so I may as well get the work done that I need to do. So there's a number of factors that come together to make it more likely that you'll do your work at the co-working session. First of all, there's this sort of sunk cost fallacy of going, well, I'm here now, I may as well do it. For some people, there's the motivational aspect of seeing other people with their cameras switched on working hard, and you think to yourself, well, they're working hard, so I will also quietly get on with my own work. There's the fact that you are accountable, that at the end of the session, uh, the leader of the session will say, what have you achieved? Have you got your work done? And you can say how far you've got with it. Um, there's the fact that it's a change to your routine and that some people will consider the co-working option more fun than just working by themselves at home. So there are lots of quite well-researched reasons why this kind of format works for a lot of people. I will conclude today's episode by looping back to the question of, does co-working work for interpreters? Or is it really more suited to translators or other freelancers like, I don't know, graphic artists or web developers or anything, really? And the reason I'm asking this question is because you might think to yourselves, but an interpreter's work is mostly um, assignments and interpreting at meetings. And obviously, they can't do that in a co-working format. There is some truth of that. You clearly cannot apply co-working to interpreting assignments. But when you think about all the other things that interpreters do, many, many of them lend themselves to the co-working format. For example, you might have documents to prepare for a meeting. You might want to review a recording of you interpreting, of your performance, and analyze it and see how you could have improved it. You might want to work on glossaries. You might want to work on your C language or develop your retour. You might have invoicing to do or other kinds of admin like booking flights for your next assignment. Or indeed, you might have things to do that are actually nothing to do with interpreting, but that are to do with the rest of your life and still need doing, like booking a haircut or organizing your holidays or um, doing something that relates to your children's school. Who knows? All of these things can be done in an online co-working session. I hope today's episode has shed some light on the benefits of co-working. As I said, it's it's not for everyone. Some people will think it's completely pointless, and that's absolutely fine. 
But for some people, it's just a welcome shot of motivation and conviviality and accountability. As I've mentioned several times today, I run free co-working sessions at 5 p.m. European time on Fridays. So feel free to sign up for those and get some of the tasks on your to-do list crossed off.